right, everybody. It's late at night. This is our late night recording. This is like our little sleepover. Mm-hmm. Right? We got we can't be too loud or our parents will come in and shush us. We're just in here <laughs> giggling. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it might be late for me, but it's not late for you, Nathan, because you're on California time. <sighs> you just came in from I L.A., am. baby. Yep. And um, I flew, um, so my arms are fine. They're not tired at all. I took a plane. It's mostly your like middle area that gets cramped on a plane. Your arms are okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm okay. I didn't like physically fly like I normally would with my body. Yeah, I, I just um, flew I just, and I just boy is my ass cramped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, how was it in the Big Easy? Did you have fun? You're literally landing um, right now. Like you just got home from Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, about an hour ago. Yeah. Um, it was fun. You know, I like LA, but then I also get depressed when I'm there because there's like really cool and rich people there. <laughs> yeah. Never fun to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, you know, like we met up with some friends and they're like, oh yeah, uh, the cool guys from Stranger Things always hang out in this neighborhood. Oh, John Hamm lives down the street from me. Oh, great. <laughs> Did you see any famous people there? Any celeb sightings? Uh, no. <sighs> but Unless you, you count the ones of the wax variety. Wait, you went to the wax museum? No, we walked by it. Oh, okay. It was Vin Diesel. It was Vin Diesel out front. <laughs> oh, forget about it. Did you do it. anything on this trip? <laughs> yeah, I worked. It was a work trip. Uh, you did get we to did see We did go to some- Disneyland. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to think of things you saw that we've mentioned on the podcast. You said Disneyland, which we talk about for no reason most of the time. Yep. Uh, you saw the Magic Castle from afar. Oh yeah, I saw a lot of stars from uh, people who have who have been on our show as discussion fodder, right? Or have died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I was there for work. Um, all of my meetings got canceled, but uh, are I you was kidding still there. me? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, you are kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> oh. I had. I think I had one or two meetings that I was of the original like four or five that were scheduled, and, and then the rest <sighs> of the time I just like worked from the hotel. Oh Lord. Well. Yeah. That was Nathan's little trip update. I'm sorry that sounds sort of mentally exhausting. Um, at the least, having you see all those obnoxious, beautiful people. Yeah, I got to see that, so I felt good for a little bit until I remembered that I wasn't one of them. It's always a bummer when you pass by a mirror and you go, "Oh, right, yeah, it's me." Oh, yeah, old potato I'm not head. From here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, and it's also like you're like, you're like, oh, I could live here. I could live in this this area. And then you remember everything's like five thousand dollars a minute to rent. Yeah. What it must have been a nice change of pace from seeing all those beautiful people is watching the show we were talking about today, which is full. We talk about uh, walnut heads a lot here. We talk about men. <laughs> who just look like sweaty little walnuts. And this show is... People who were born 60. Yes. (laughs) This show is the most rumpled show I think we've ever seen. It looks 
like it smells like sweat and juicy fruit gum and stale cigarettes. And it's also pretty good because we're talking about (laughs) 1972's Kolchak the Night Stalker, which premiered on ABC January 11th all the way back in 1972. And this is a seminal horror TV movie of the week that nobody had huge hopes for and wound up being a huge, huge deal. Um, Had you ever seen this before we decided to watch it for the show? No, I just uh, always knew about it and heard about it. And, um, you know, just read all kinds of things about it that it was great. And I knew I'd wanted to watch it, so I had it... um, uh, on my uh, server for a long time, on my, my hard drives for a long time to watch, and then this kicked me into overdrive to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, written by our old buddy, Richard Matheson, who comes up a lot on oh this gosh. podcast. This guy was just Mr. Top Dog in TV writing. We've talked about before, but he wrote most of the classic episodes of Twilight Zone, uh, he wrote the uh, wonderful last segment in Trilogy of Terror. Uh, he mm-hmm. wrote Omega Man. Um, wait, Omega Man? I Am Legend. He wrote I Am Legend. Is he a, he's, a, he's not alive, right? He is not alive. 2013, he died at Does he have a son or a daughter? Seven. Uh, are you looking for love with a Matheson relative? <laughs> no, I'm looking for um, our... Number one downloaded episode. <laughs> oh, okay. So good news. His uh, wife, the widow Ruth Ann Woodston, is still alive. Okay. And oh, he great. has four children. I don't have names on them yet, but okay. we got to track them down. Okay, good. Let's get on IMDb Pro. Maybe they have their own pages. And we'll set up another interview like we did with uh, the guy from Circus of the Stars. Oh, I need to fo- I needed to do a follow-up email with uh, that guy from Circus of the Stars. What was yeah. his name? Barry Goodchunk? Or what was his guy's name? How he couldn't <laughs> yeah, Barry figure- Goodchunk was it. <laughs> <laughs> he has some made-up sounding name. <laughs> it was the, for those who don't know, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but he he, he was the, the mysterious uh, actor from Save by the Bell that never was actually on the show, but he was advertised as being on the show. And we found his agent and we were trying to get in touch to do an interview with him to find out what he had to do with the show. It is the great mystery. I need to follow up with that agent. Um, that was a great moment she- that we should <laughs> just release because his former agent called us during a show taping and I put her on speakerphone and, and talked to this very, very classic LA agent style woman <laughs> who was a delight to talk to. Um, yeah, I need to follow up with her. Yeah. And she was trying to get on the show too. So who knows? Maybe we'll, Oof, boy, she was working every angle. Happens. Always be selling. Yeah. <laughs> this was speaking of classic, uh, Hollywood types. This show was produced by Dan Curtis, who just became Mr. TV Horror. He was the director and producer of Dark Shadows, um, or possibly just the director. I don't want to get slammed. It looks like he was just the director. Don't get mad at me, everyone. Uh, He did Dark Shadows, the vampire soap opera in the late 60s, 
including some uh, movies. Oh, yeah. And then after this, he went on to- Which we'll do. Oh, we're, oh okay. I'm sure. That's the Nathan <laughs> Promise. Yes. And then he went on to do the Jack Palance version of Dracula on TV. He directed Trilogy of Terror. Uh, he directed a Frankenstein movie. The man wow. uh, became a real master of the night. Did you look up his picture by any chance? No. He looks like a swarthy uh, Tom Jones. <laughs> he looks like if Tom Jones had an older brother who would beat you up if you talked mean about Tom Jones. Is Tom Jones not swarthy? I don't know what swarthy means. He's swarthier. What does swarthy mean? Swarthy me means like, uh, oh, your shirt is open to the navel and uh, <laughs> you have a lot of male energy. But it's not um, it's not bro energy. It's just like big old hog energy. And you come in <laughs> whipping that thing around like a centrifuge and you point finger guns at everybody go. and slap them on the back. Okay, that's what I thought Swarthy meant. Yeah, but you nailed I've it. Never used it. I've only used it, um, you know, in those terms. So I, I was just, I was kind of verifying that I had been using it right all these years. Yeah, when you called your boss Swarthy during your interview, you were using the right term. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, uh, okay, so this is introducing a character that became a cult figure in television, the detective, I'm sorry, the reporter, Kolchak, who would be easy to call him a detective because he's actually basically operating as one. Uh, Kolchak, a reporter in Las Vegas who uh, is from New York and is a reporter, Mm -hmm. but kind of always dresses like it's Derby Day. He has a seersucker (laughs) jacket and a little straw hat like Booberry wears. And uh, <laughs> apparently, the the actor uh, Darren McCavin uh, uh, dressed the character this way because he said when he was living in New York, this is the way all the reporters dressed. Um, which like they were just about to get like they just came off of a uh, steamboat. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> a Darren Mississippi steamboat. Are you sure you're not talking about one reporter that you knew who was from New Orleans <laughs> who had just moved yeah. there? <laughs> And, and can can you uh, you're saying Darren McGavin yes. is the name right? Yeah, he he plays he plays the titular character, well titular from the show, but <laughs> on this because there's no Kolchak added to the name yet. But uh, Darren McGavin, his most famous role was as uh, Ralphie's old man in A Christmas Story, and here he looks younger. Kind of. He just looks older in a different way, even though he was much younger. He is, he, like, I mean, everyone knows these people in their lives who who just looked old from the start. But this guy, like, I don't know what age he's supposed to be playing because he is dating a very young looking lady. (laughs) So I don't know if he's supposed to be like 36 or something and she's twenty. Three. <laughs> That's the thing is they're actually about th- floating around the same age. Yes, he and the woman who he's dating, she looks like a baby in a wig and he looks like he has a shirt that says, ask me about my grandchildren. And yeah. it's really off-putting, especially because there's basically no women besides Kolchak's girlfriend in this show who are not uh, showgirls who get murdered. 
um, which right. is kind of one of my only big complaints about this show. Is it's just a parade of of sweaty, rumpled men. Um, <laughs> There's this is like like um, I'm trying to think. It's like the most. It, it, would you say this is the most old, uh, s- like sweaty and um, unironed men? <laughs> That we've ever seen right. on the show that we've watched. Oh, that's what I meant. This this whole show is rumpled. Nothing yeah. in the like show. There's no. There's no. Like was there? Like even Bob Hope was more young and clean looking than these guys. <laughs> I will say though, it does give everything a real feel to it because it's 1972. Yeah. We're in Las Vegas. It's basically every scene is at night. Uh, either mm-hmm. in a dark alley or kind of a cruddy hotel room or a cruddy newsroom or a slimy uh, office. Mm-hmm. So, and every every person's just about to retire. Well, or you're <laughs> hoping they will because you think they're going to have yeah. a heart attack any second from all yeah. the butter they're eating. Um, but it does <laughs> give a, a, a feeling of just – how the gross underworld probably did feel in the early seventies. Um, this was mm. Vegas pre any kind of family friendly destination vibe that they gave it. You know, David Blaine wasn't doing a residency there yet. I think the residency was uh, a, a stripper who ate cockroaches on stage or something. <laughs> and then Frank Sinatra would hit you in the face. Uh, but hey. this is uh <laughs> Uh, the, the plot roughly is that there is a series of murders in Las Vegas. Um, showgirls are getting murdered in such a way that their throats are looking bitten by a dog, they think. But then they find out all the victims have a severe loss of blood. Kolchak, mm-hmm. the reporter, immediately starts to suspect that it is either a person who thinks they're a vampire or a real vampire and butts mm-hmm. heads with his editor with the mayor with the city council everybody in this gets to yell at Kolchak if you if you enjoy hearing people go Kolchak get in here what are you thinking Kolchak I can't take your cockamamie schemes anymore Kolchak is every other line in this show and then it is and then it's the dad from um, Christmas Story just like that it's the exact same style of acting. Yes. It's great. Yeah, it's the same performance. Uh, I guess that along with the costume, the character was supposed to be more of a smooth guy, and he kind of just gave it that sweaty, cocky vibe, which works yeah. uh, well for this character. It's very, like, abrasive Columbo. Yeah, that's it. That That works perfect. Uh, much less of a grandfather. Well, I guess if you had a grandfather who was really gruff, that's what he would be like. Um, and it, through the show, you come to find out that there is a real vampire who is killing people. Kolchak has to convince City Hall to fight the vampire with vampire rules, meaning stakes to the heart, crosses, and uh, eventually rids the city of the vampire. I'm giving the whole mm-hmm. plot line at once because... The movie is not slow, but no. uh, it, it, it kind of <laughs> – this is one of those shows. This is 1972. This is one of those movies where you have to remind yourself 
that at one point, all this stuff was new. Like, obviously, vampire movies weren't new. But the idea of um, uh, putting a vampire in modern-day times and the approach with how they're showing things and even the amount of horror or uh, TV-level gore that are in this show were brand new for the time. This is before the movie Halloween. This is before any of the slasher movies of the set. All that stuff, like even The Exorcist, all of that was mid to late 70s. Um, This show was a big precursor to things like The X-Files and essentially any supernatural detective show that came afterwards. So really what I wanted to talk to you about was just the vibes of this show, like Mm -hmm. in the world it puts you in. What did you think? What was your overall kind of takeaway from the feel of the world? Um, I've never been to Las Vegas, so I still kind of picture it in the same way that it is kind of like just a bunch of dusty alleys with, you know, bartenders walking home late and like just seedy men just lurking everywhere. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you've been there, but I know it's much more, like you said, family friendly. Now there's like, you know, a Guy Fieri restaurant every two minutes, I'm sure. But like it's, so I just, I loved it. I love the griminess. I loved like, how you know it just seemed hot like a desert would you know and i liked the i liked i just felt like it, it does every minute that it it is allowed to air so it is happening the sh- the movie is moving like there's no like freaking long boring montage of someone just like doing something that's not related to the story and like a lot of these things it's just like there's so much just like a lot of these television specials, there's so much filler because they're trying to fill in two hours with a 45-minute story. Uh, but this one, it, it hits every it hits every minute. You're right. Even whenever we cut to Kolchak's kind of weird relationship with his girlfriend, it's always in service of the plot. Like she's always telling him things about vampires or he's relaying parts of the case to him. We don't have to get dragged through his personal life to do filler. And I guess that's the magic of Richard Matheson. I guess when Dan Curtis read the script, he said, this is one of the greatest scripts I've ever read. And I'm imagining if he was reading TV movie scripts all the time, he was seeing some real stinker <laughs> So I'm sure this was a breath of fresh air. Maybe he had read, maybe he read the Save of the Bell, the wedding oh. right before he read this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- probably probably yeah. it was uh, an early draft um and i'll tell you i've been to las vegas once and it may delight you to know that while there is a main strip that you can go down if you go slightly off of that main strip into another part of the city you are immediately in the dangerous part of la <laughs> awesome i was staying awesome. in a hotel room it, it was for work and um I told somebody who actually lived around there uh, at night, I was like, I'm just going to go out and take a walk. And he goes, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) And I went and I started walking and I walked a little too far in one direction and I realized, oh, 
there are no streetlights here, and there's a lot of people here who I can half see in the shadows. I need to turn around quickly. (laughs) Racist. I felt like uh, a real cold check. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that you know, that's what they always say about like time Times Square and everything, how it's all cleaned up and everything. But there is a charm to it, but it's not the kind of charm you'd want to tr- truly exist in. It's just one you want to read and watch on TV and in movies. Sure. I mean, is there a healthy balance between the two? Probably, but Yeah. Uh yeah, I suppose I would take um the M&M store over Somebody uh, punching me in the gut. <laughs> yeah, and taking your walk. <laughs> and stepping on a needle, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe our, some of our greatest character actors are in this thing. The car salesman in this. Everybody in this movie who was cast is such a character. Like, yeah, it makes you realize how people in movies now – for the most part, I think it's getting a little better now, but in the early 2000s, it was getting dire in terms of everybody looking the same and me honestly not being able to tell one person from the other. Um, but I mean, the, the, do you know what I'm talking about? The car salesman with the cowboy hat? He He's looks the guy who he, the vampire uh, buys the car from him yes. and convinces him to sell it to him cheaper because he's like, I'm not going to mess with this dude. buys a car. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but he buys it from a guy who looks like a bunch of eggs stuck together who got f- <laughs> thrown on the floor. Uh, it's just so delightful. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the, the, the theme of rumpled white men continues throughout <laughs> every piece of this thing. The only person who's not rumpled is the vampire, but he is a very white, old white man. <laughs> the vampire, But not super old. Like. <laughs> uh, so... Um, I want to know what the character design of the vampire was because they give him a haircut that makes him look like Shemp from the Three Stooges. He has, like, whenever you see an old man who is still doing a toupee, so it's a very unconvincing little plop of hair on top of his head. That's what it looks like. It's maybe the it least like- scary look you can give a vampire. W- would you say, like, kind of like Emo Phillips or, like... Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. Not maybe. quite so page boy, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like uh, or like I pictured, uh, yeah, like a little bit of a less version of ha- Javier Bardem's That's character in No Country for Old no Men. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Yes, this is the vampire <laughs> version of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was a old-timey look or a current look. It was probably current because now that I think about it, Old men who wear that style of toupee now probably started wearing a toupee in the 70s and just kept with the same look. I don't understand toupee culture at all. So I no? have no, like, no, no, I don't get why. I mean, I understand why someone doesn't want to be bald, but I don't understand the one day you're bald and the next day you're not. And we're all supposed to, like, are we allowed to say, hey, did you get a haircut? Or, like, what do we do? Are we all supposed to just go, like, oh, cool shirt. The hair fairy (laughs) visited you last night. I know. Or does he just, like, 
Like, how does how do toupees work? Is it just like they're just like I don't care. I put a toupee toupee on. That's my new. That's me now. I feel like there's less toupees now than ever before. Now I think if you're really losing your hair, first you go through maybe a Rogaine or a Hims phase where you're yeah. trying to get the the growth back. If you're a millennial, if you're one of those avocado toast sucking millennials. Gotta get those hymns. I'm trying to think if I've seen anybody like around my dad's age wearing a toupee. I don't think I do. I also think that it's comb overs, comb overs, but also white guys shaving their head culture is still yeah. fairly recent. And I think that's the go to mode now is you just look like a big egg. It just goes straight on. I mean, like, I'm, I'm very much like. I don't know if I'm going to be bald, but I'm certainly going to be super thin. I, I always think about what will I do. Hmm. What will you do? Mm. Just um, grow a big bushy beard to compensate. <laughs> Your wife's a lucky woman. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never know I was bald because I had so much hair on my chin. <laughs> It'll fool you. Yeah, you'll look like one of those uh, drawings they give kids that you can flip upside down and it goes from an, <laughs> an old man to a woman with a big collar. Or you put like, you, it's got magnet and you can just move the hair around. Oh yeah, you'll be like a woolly willy that somebody shook. <laughs> like Shel Silverstein something. I know whenever you see toupees now, like John Travolta, still doing toupees for the most part. Most of the time, Still doesn't look good. Or maybe he picks weird ones. Nicolas Cage. It depends. Sometimes they pick ones that look natural and you don't think about it that much. And other times it it looks like they just got a, a weird a flocking gun and went to town. A flocking gun? What's that? Pretty <laughs> uh, Jeremy, you know what I mean by flocking? I am lost over here. Uh, flock, look, at, look it up. Flocking is... Um, it's like that fuzzy material that you can spray on stuff to give like the appearance of oh moss or snow oh, or yeah. something uh, like that. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. It's like a can. It looks like a can of like you'd put like powdered sugar in there and you for your cinnamon toast. And you just kind of like <laughs> shake it on the yeah, and it oh, gives like Oh, I see what you're For like a model, about. you have like grass on the model. Yes. Or or yeah, I've right. seen it on the head where they put it on the head and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> and it's, it's just like, like oh, like there's the hair magnetic there. Magnetic guy with like the little hair. Yeah. You could put the little magnetic stuff on the on the guy's head. Yeah. Were Were you just asleep in there? The aforementioned Wooly Willy. Oh, <laughs> Wooly Willy. To, well, Nathan. To be fair, Wooly Willy is probably a reference from the '40s. There's no reason anyone should know what I'm talking about. Uh, which could was, be an alternate name for this podcast. Anyone should know what I'm talking about. <laughs> By the way, the podcast yeah. you're listening to is Network Special. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) if this is your first episode and they always say it's somebody's first episode all the time. Um, and I will say to those listeners, yes, we are always this careful and deliberate with our show. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) this show was not just a hit. It was the biggest hit. This was the most watched TV movie for a very long time. This had a 48 share, 
which means that 48% of all the TVs in America were watching this movie when it aired, which is crazy that nearly half of America watched this. Um, And it wasn't anything that was hyped. I I think that it just came along at the right time and it was so different. And it was January. So, you know, half of America's kind of trapped inside in the cold months and just wanted something different. So I guess it just hit the sweet spot. And, and Dark Shadow starts before this, right? Or is right. that after? Yeah. Yeah. So Barnab- Barnabas, what's his name, Barnaby? Barnabas Jones. Collins. Barnabas Collins is already a thing. Yes. And so this is, so vampires and stuff have already been on TV in this capacity, but this is a modern a modern take, right. And speaking of men who you need to be told were considered very attractive at the time, if you <laughs> haven't seen the guy who played Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows, who is a good actor, I'm not slamming him, but um, not maybe hunk material now, if you take a look <laughs> at him. A very craggy, eyebrow-heavy gentleman. <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to a lot. Uh, I've been listening to um, the Dana Gould podcast, and he's going through all of like vampire history on this blog he writes and stuff. And so and he just recently talked about this and talked about Barnabas and just the phenomenon of all this stuff. And um, yeah, this one does seem to be this Night Stalker does seem to be one of the best uh, TV. Go, you know, go of vampire stuff out of like a lot of famous things that we've seen. Right. Because this one just really, it just goes for it. And it, like we said, it's jam-packed all the way through. There's no like, um, like the Dracula doesn't have some romance on the side. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, is, this is not sexy like, vampire. This is more no. like, um, like meth addict style vampire yeah. <laughs> who is just doing what he can to survive. Yeah. Uh, also it's, I guess it just speaks to, there were three channels at the time, but if you look at an episode of dark shadows, which is a show I've seen a couple episodes of, but I've never gotten into it. That is yeah. a slow moving soap opera. It is very deliberate. And there's some supernatural yes. stuff that happens, but it's few and far between. But the show was big with kids. There's like a Barnabas Collins board game and model yeah. <laughs> kit and like disguise toys and that kind of thing. It's crazy to think about. It's And it's also crazy that when it started, it, it didn't have supernatural stuff. Right, um, it was just kind of a gothic yeah. castle soap opera, yeah. and then they were like, "How about a vampire?" Yeah, I guess um, the the story is that the his kids, the writers' kids, the creators' kids, were kept saying, "Just make it more scary, make it more scary," hmm. because the show was about to, you know, the show kept like on its last legs. Every time they would release it, then then they would be like, "Okay, just give us one more chance," and then he dropped in Barnabas, and the rest is history. Man. Um, and this also became history as a TV show. They followed Stalker up with The Night Strangler the next year, which I watched the very beginning of, and it starts the exact same way as this, which is a awesome. uh, <laughs> a woman walking home from a strip club and then gets murdered in an alley. Um, so it. they have a real thing. Um, 
And then it turned into a TV show for one season and they just kind of bungled uh, the programming of it. They put it on a Saturday night, which is famously not a great night for viewing in general, but they put it on pretty late. So kids who liked the Night Stalker movie weren't necessarily seeing it. They moved around right. a couple more times and it just sort of faded out even without, I think about four episodes never airing, but it never went out of syndication and it was in weird rights hell for a while, but it's, it's back on. Now you can watch all the episodes. You can watch the movies. This is well worth watching. I think, especially if you are a horror movie fan in general, it's a quick watch. Oh yeah. It, it flies by. Yeah, this is definitely out of like what do we what do we have? We we should go through and count the ones that we've actually truly recommended people watch. Unironically like, watch, you mean? Yeah, there's like yeah. five, I think, total. Probably. This is definitely <laughs> on the list. We need we need to do that like when we get to like episode one hundred, like just do it like a a a thirty minute recap of like what were the ones out of these hundred episodes that you should actually watch. That's a good idea. Yeah. The network yeah. special. Thumbs up. Special. Yeah. Can I play a, a clip? This is Dan Curtis passed away. The producer Dan Curtis passed away a couple of years ago, um, but he did this interview in 2004. And we talk about TV movies on here all the time. So I'm just going to let this play out. He's talking about the process of making a movie back then versus now. And this is some classic producer talk totally different from today. Today, it has to be meaningful. It has to be socially (laughs) significant. It has to be filled with stars. It has to have, you name it, you know. Playing clip from the movie. Come on. I get sick of the whole game, and everybody (laughs) plays that game today. To try to sell... A television movie today is the most impossible thing in the world. First thing they say to you is, well, we like the idea, but there's nothing special about it. It has to be an event. Or, and how, how can we sell this picture? I wouldn't know how to sell this picture to the audience. In those days, the way it worked was, I would go in to Michael Eisner and say, hey, Mike, I got a great idea. I tell him the little story. He say, hey, that sounds great. Let's do it. There weren't nine people that you met with, and we would do it. I had gotten into the habit where every script that we developed, it got made. I never heard of developing a script and not getting it made. Today, scripts are <laughs> developed and redeveloped and developed some more and developed until it ends up as absolute garbage. Everything... <laughs> In those days, we had fun. The Great Ice Ripoff, the Norlis Tapes, any kind of crazy little movie that we came up with. And you got these different stories, these quirky little stories, fun stories. They didn't have to be an event. They just had to be entertaining, (laughs) fun, good, scary, dramatic, whatever. And we made them fast and we made them cheap. And it was a great period of time. (laughs) Okay, so... So, okay, so he's um, absolutely right that I, – I don't know what year this was recorded, but it, he's right that – Okay. He's absolutely right that it, everything that isn't a, t, a, a scheduled TV show 
has to be some special event in order for it to be um, played. But that's because there we didn't like in two thousand four. We weren't still doing the weekly movie, right? Right. So like it makes sense. Like back then, it's like, oh yeah, we have a weekly movie. Every freaking week, there's got to be a new movie. So, what do you got? Hey, hey, Michael, what about this? Yeah, okay, put it on quick. <laughs> like, it makes sense. Like, you know. I, yeah. And I mean, I guess you can look at it both ways. You can also say, well, if TV was doing that and they gave like a bunch of new, interesting filmmakers a shot and they just went like, yeah, go for it. Like, just as long as it's cheap, make whatever you want. If people were doing that now, maybe people would watch TV movies because it would be stuff that would be yeah. really interesting. I, or I I don't know. Or maybe that doesn't be awesome. fly anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what Netflix and all these kinds of... Sure, yeah. All the, uh, all, I mean, and Shudder and... Yeah. You can find all that stuff there. But it's interesting um, and, because yeah. you can see Netflix and Amazon Originals originally whenever they were first coming out with all this stuff, it felt so fresh and so new and people were going, Oh my God, this is so what we've been waiting for. We're going to get into this. And now it's a trope. Like, you know yeah, how these things yeah. are going to be laid out. You know there's going to be a weird beginning that you can't figure out, and it's going to go back in time and see the beginning of the story. It's 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 all just a big hamster wheel. I love that he comes within a breath of calling everything now garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I don't think is true, but I, I love that style from old producers. In my day... <laughs> All the movies could star the ugliest men you could see. I said, if it doesn't look like they just fell down the stairs, don't put them on the screen. I pulled all my actors off a hanger in the studio lot. <laughs> Claude Aitkins, who plays the, I think he's the chief of police. I don't know if you see that man's eyeballs in this movie. He looks like oh, a, a blinky little vole that you woke up, <laughs> popped his head up into the sun. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many, there's so many like men in, there's so many like white old men involved in every like facet of police work in Vegas in this thing. Like, there's always like, there's always a bunch of of reporters sitting in a room, and then there's always just a bunch of random uh, people. It seems who are making all the decisions. They go through the, they 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 like they pan around the room and they tell you who each person is, mm. which is kind of a cool I like that kind of a cool shot um scene but but it doesn't seem like there's one guy who's dressed as a cop and everyone else is you in know, rumpled like suits yeah is dressed yeah in in bed in a suit and and <laughs> <laughs> and like but I could I I totally forgot who anyone was mm. by just, you know after that opening scene sure they're just authority who's against cold yeah. check so we don't like him. Yeah, and the, and his editor, man, his editor is just—I don't know why that he why he even has this guy on staff. <laughs> like I said, if you're a fan of seeing uh, somebody get chewed out in every scene, <laughs> every actor in this show gets to yell at Kolchak. Yeah. So that's it. So the Night we, Stalker. What about the music? Can we can we play a little bit of the music? Yeah, I love the music. I figured in we'd this. play a little bit on the way out. Um. 
we did a real uh, breezy job of talking about this, but like we said, it's it's good. The plot is maybe slight, but it doesn't feel that way. So it's not like we're going into this thing chewing apart every facet. Yeah, yeah, we we, we reserve the of uh, the longer episodes for crap. <laughs> The good stuff comes and goes. The crap is what sticks to the wall. <laughs> also, I feel like this this show is so much about atmosphere. Here's some oh, yeah. of that. See, Those and drums. These drums are so slick. How can you not love this kind of intense jazz percussion? I mean, that's not percussion, but when it comes. I want to watch people, someone play this live. And there's great music throughout the show too. Like they, the the, bed, the music beds are great in this. It's true. You know what else is great that I've been noticing is um, all the social media you've been dropping for our show. <laughs> yeah, those little, check us out. Those little tidbits. On, yes, on Instagram, I try to do a daily post about whatever we're going to be watching. Um cool behind the scenes photos and other such things uh, <laughs> <we're> on Facebook. <laughs> Just look up network special podcast on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok as well. You get to see a clip from the shows and um, Twitter too. If you're on Twitter, we have, we tweet, tweet as well. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> and you can go to our website to find all of this stuff at NetworkSpecialPodcast.com. You can subscribe. We're on Stitcher now. I've said that we've been on Stitcher almost every episode. But now but you mean actually, it. Uh, yeah, now I actually mean it. We're on Stitcher. We're, all, we're on all the good podcast things. And uh, yeah, subscribe and like and rate and review. And send us an email at NetworkSpecialPodcast at gmail.com. Just do all the stuff that you do with your favorite podcast, but do it with us. Nathan has a very like uh, name it and claim it style approach to things like uh, streaming on Stitcher, which is you just keep saying it until it comes to be. And that's that's how we do things around here. We believe it and then it happens. We name it, claim it and uh, word of faith. Yes. So uh, that's it for this week. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye. We name it. We claim it. You can't (laughs) shame it. Bye. (laughs)